everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast designed to demystify your hormones, up-level your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. Currently in our, in our culture, in our society, there's 23 t- times more endocrine disrupting chemicals that, were, that are made than in 1947. So we're having more and more exposure than we've ever had before in human history. I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today's episode is all about environmental medicine, aka toxic exposures. I'm proud to have an expert in this field joining us today. Let me tell you a little about Dr. Britt Stamer. Dr. Stamer is a naturopathic doctor specializing in reproductive health for both women and men. She provides support in the areas of preconception counseling, subfertility and infertility, and miscarriage. She's also an expert in women's health, caring for patients with PMS, PCOS, endometriosis, acne, painful menses, and more. One area that's always a focus for Dr. Stamer is environmental medicine. Toxins that can affect our balance of health can be found in every area of our life. And teaching about these toxins, including how to remove, mitigate, and treat, is an area of her expertise. I've been looking forward to this episode. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stamer. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Waddles. It's such an honor to be here. Well, I know you have a great love for shedding light on the relationship between environmental toxins and fertility. And this is so important to our patients who are getting ready. They're Mm -hmm. wanting to try to conceive. They're doing their preconception planning. Will you just give us a general overview of why it's so important to consider our environment, our environmental health when preparing for conception? Yes. Well, the reason why I think it's a really big, a big thing and a big piece is because it's a huge thing that's missing in fertility care and in women's health in the mainstream. I don't think it's really ever talked about before people see it maybe from social media. It's not talked about, you know, in an OB office or anything like that. And so I feel like there's a really great opportunity to educate patients in this area to help with their fertility and overall health, um, because we know that those things are connected. So right now, currently in our, in our culture, in our society, there's 23 times more endocrine disrupting chemicals that were, that are made than in 1947. So we're having more and more exposure than we've ever had before in human history. So I think it's a huge impact on all different parts of our health. It affects, you know, our sex hormones, our thyroid hormones, our insulin. So talking about like diabetes and PCOS pictures with patients and cardiovascular health. So I think it's a huge topic that needs to be discussed. Well, those are some startling statistics, but it's important that we start to think about this. And I think you you really touched on something here that we have patients, I'm sure this comes up in your practice. Mm-hmm. They come to us and say, I have done everything. I've turned over yeah. every stone. I've done every test. And then we say, oh, well, let's talk about your history of environmental exposures. I use a questionnaire mm-hmm. called the toxic exposure questionnaire. And then people yep. realize, wow, no one has ever talked to me about this before. And maybe there's actually something to explore here. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes it can be such a huge topic. That's why using something like a questionnaire where you go through piece by piece can be really helpful, but also working with a practitioner who knows about these different toxins. So you can make it um, in little bite-sized pieces and figure out what things are the highest yield to help reduce your toxic burden, what things can give you the most, the best outcome for you without feeling overwhelmed. And I think that it's such an important topic too in that area is because it affects our health for, you know, preconception and becoming pregnant, um, affects men's health, and then also affects the health of our future generations. So I think it's a huge topic that affects all of us. This is very good. We're talking about health promotion that supports <laughs> transgenerational health yes. and we're making it approachable. And I certainly am, uh, I have fallen to the analysis paralysis about toxic, Mm -hmm. toxic exposures and allowed it to become anxiety producing. So I completely relate to anyone who feels overwhelming because in the end we have to go outside and engage with the world. Right. So that's why I'm 
I'm so happy to talk to you about some of these actionable steps that feel approachable so that we we know what we can do to still engage with the world around us. You mentioned that there are so many toxins and they come from a variety of places, but, and I, I know we'll talk about this, our body has some inherent biotransformation skills that we can capitalize on to keep ourselves healthy. Yes. So what are some of the most common routes of toxic exposure that you see in your fertility patients? So like you said, those toxins are everywhere. You know, we could look around the room and say, oh, what about in our paint or in our carpet or our furniture or our personal care products that we use on ourselves? And so when I'm talking with patients about where we're going to look, I really focus on the places we interact with every single day that have very high yield to help people not feel overwhelmed, things they can replace easily so that we start to get them to feel better or, you know, work on preconception. And so my biggest areas that I have people look at are personal care products, without a doubt for men and women, um, food, water, and then kind of go into kitchen pieces here and there um, where we feel like we need, we need to touch on after we get kind of those like three big pieces um, set in stone, but for sure, the first place I always talk with patients is personal care products. Cause it's a huge unregulated area that our government really doesn't take a big hold in and they don't regulate these chemicals that are in there. Um, and there's more and more being on the market every year. So I think that's the biggest area that I talk about with patients. I 100% agree. I was thinking mm-hmm. about, well, someone said, <clears throat> why are you so focused on shampoo? And I was like, well, if you wash your hair with it and then it runs over your entire body and touches yes. all of your skin. So if yes. we have to create a hierarchy of what we want to replace first, I'm also thinking about, well, what are the things we interact with every day? And the things that contact so much of your absorptive tissue So thank you for sharing your strategy too. It feels really well aligned. Yes. Okay. So now we've identified these areas and we're going to talk a little bit about some of your favorites because I had some audience questions. They need help picking some of their favorites, but if someone wants to get started and they just feel like, okay, I need to do an audit of my own environment and the things that I'm using and clean up my ecosystem in my preconception planning phase. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, number one, do you have a source where you send them to look at products that are safe? Yes, I do actually. I love, and the Environmental Working Group has a few different apps that you can use too. So that's a really great, like, here's just a good starting point. They don't, it's not always perfect because sometimes they don't have manual, those manual um, additions to it. They just kind of screen it based on a computer. But I like to give that as like a first overview of where people should start looking. And then I really love some different sites. So I love the site folane.com, F-O-L-L-A-I-N.com. And they have a lot of amazing beauty products that they've already been vetted. So they have like a ton of different products that have already been looked through, have generally less of a toxic burden. And so I think that gives people one place to start for personal care products, which can be such a huge help when there's so much greenwashing out there, which if you don't know what greenwashing is, it's basically a company that uses, you know, either nature themed um, kind of marketing and branding, or they use a lot of things like it's phthalate free or fragrance free, but they don't actually really tell you what the ingredients are um, without a lot of digging. And so they can have lots of different toxic substances in them. So this, this site helps a lot, I think, for identifying those personal care products at least. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So Fulane, you said, yes. and then yep. the environmental working group, the skin deep database is what I yep. tend to use. So mm-hmm. these are great tools as you're getting started doing your audit. I remember when I first kind of did my assessment in my bathroom, I had all the products out on the counter and I was looking everything up and yeah, I think it's a good idea. Maybe you can tell us your approach to this, but I tend to say just replace one thing at a time if it feels really overwhelming and then you find now you have that shampoo that you actually like. Now let's move on to your body wash and yep. kind of take it step by step. Yep. I think it totally depends on the patient or the person I'm working with. Some, some people are like, yeah, I just, they come back four weeks later after we had a talk and they're like, I threw everything away. It feels so good. I found really (laughs) wonderful products that I'm so into. So I really kind of leave it up to them, but I for sure kind of follow that 
mentality of not getting yourself overwhelmed, especially because we haven't talked about this and I don't know if we will, but some toxins are really easily detoxed and biotransformed in the body. And once you're done exposing yourself, those health effects are, you know, we move on from them, which is really good. Some of them stick around a little bit longer. And why I, why I like to start with personal care products is a lot of these chemicals like phthalates that are found in fragrance are really easily removed from the body. So as soon as you stop using them, we start moving towards better health. You know, they can be removed from the body pretty quickly. So I think like taking your time and doing that is really a really great approach. It's like, it's very good for people not to get overwhelmed. How encouraging what you just said. In fact, I just saw a study. I'm, I probably will get these percentages not exactly correct, but it was in regards to phthalates in personal care products. And they did the study where they measured phthalates at baseline, and then they switched like all these products mm -hmm. for the study participants. And then they measured again after three days and the concentration, it was urinary phthalates. It had gone down by something massive, like 86%. I mean, yes, giant decreases in just three days. Yes. So that can make people feel really good. It's like, oh, once I like move on from these exposures, I'm already on my way to better preconception health, overall health, health of my future babe, all of those sorts of things. So yeah, I think it's a good reminder that it's like, it's okay to like slowly move through these products or these things. Cause like my body burden will quickly reduce when I am, oh, when I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And if you decide you want to throw everything out and start from scratch, yes. that's fine too. Whatever <laughs> that's you're definitely with, what I did when I first learned about it and it felt good. So I think so many listeners might be wondering, how do I, how do I know if I need to reduce toxin exposures or is there something I'll be able to see in my body? Will you just give us a, a brief uh, reminder of what are some signs or symptoms that we, we have an elevated total toxic body burden? Yes. And so I, like I talked about those toxins are everywhere and they affect every bodily system. We could just name a bodily system and they affect that depending on what the toxin is. And so signs and symptoms can range so variably, but when we're talking about preconception health, some of those things can be, you know, painful periods, lots of signs of high estrogen. Cause a lot of these, a lot of these toxins are estrogen mimickers and called xenoestrogens. So fake estrogens. And so a lot of things I see is like worsening endometriosis pain, things like acne, lots of PMS, heavy bleeding, clots when you're bleeding, um, inability to get pregnant. Um, and if we're doing lab testing, we can see a lot of things on there, like thyroid issues coming up, um, male, male type issues and lower sperm counts and sperm motility and things like that. So it can really range quite a bit. But one of the biggest things I see is the high estrogen dominance picture going on with these environmental toxins. It's a very good point you make that this can affect every body system. And I think that is why sometimes environmental toxins aren't addressed because the signs that we have elevated toxic body burden, it's really nonspecific. And so yeah. I think it's hard for you know, if you haven't had some training in environmental medicine, it's really difficult to understand how you can affect change when it's symptoms that could be anything. So I think that's why it's worthwhile for all of us to have some mindfulness around our exposures because we know it's happening. Exactly. And I think that's why I always focus on avoidance first, because we really just need to make sure just as an overall healthy population to make sure that we avoid these toxins for all of our health. Cause everything we use, I like to think of it as like, we're all part of this beautiful ecosystem and everything we use affects our neighbor. Cause it affects our water source or our soil source or things like that. And our choices can help kind of create a better world in that way. And so I always like to focus on avoidance because it's not only going to help your health for preconception and for fertility, but health down the line, health for your neighbors, health for the world, sort of a thing. So I like, that's kind of how I like to approach care in that way. I remember when I was in my, in my naturopathic medicine program, and we were taking courses in environmental medicine. And one of my professors said, 
in a five-step detox plan, the first three steps are avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's very much our naturopathic philosophy of let's figure out what your routes of exposure are first, remove those, and then we work on supporting the body through kind of eliminating those toxins. Yep, exactly. That's exactly how I focus too. Well, we're very lifestyle oriented in mm-hmm. in naturopathic medicine, in functional medicine, lifestyle is really the foundation of all of our treatment plans. So we've talked about some strategies to remove our you know, personal care products and um, cleaning products and investigating our food sources, which we can talk in a little bit more detail about those. But do you have any other, maybe a top three of your lifestyle modifications that can help to reduce some of these toxic exposures? Yes. Yeah. It's so hard to pick three, but I'll talk, I'll talk about my top three that I would start with. And we've covered quite a bit of it already in this talk is removing fragrance from your life. And the reason why is because of the phthalates. I think they've gotten a lot of press. So people really know what phthalates are and more people do, but most of the time we see artificial fragrance in our life. Nothing like not like essential oils. Those are totally different, but anytime it says fragrance or perfume on a label, usually that's going to mean phthalates. Um, Upwards of 70 to 80% of those fragrances have phthalates. And what phthalates do in a fragrance is they actually help fix the fragrance into the product. So it helps it stick around longer. And that's why companies like to use it so that their product, you know, actually gives you a good smelling, you know, deodorant or hair product all day. Um, And what phthalates do in the body is they, you know, have estrogenic effects for, for women, they can either block those receptors or mimic those, mimic those hormones. So it can be a xenoestrogen. It also has a huge effect on male fertility and male developing babies too. Um, Phthalates have also been linked to preterm birth recently too, in some studies. So it affects, you know, preconception, baby developing your birth plan going forward, health of future generations. So it's such a huge one to remove fragrance from your life. And it's one of the biggest things to do too. Um, So it can be a little bit overwhelming because it's going to be in personal care products, in your laundry detergent, in your cleaning products. Um, But once you do it, it's, it's pretty easy. I think like once you see fragrance, it's such an easy identifiable thing on a label that I think it's really easy for people to be like, yes, it doesn't have like a complicated name. I know I shouldn't be using that. I'm going to cut it out. And now I think there's so many great products that replace things without fragrance. Um, so it makes it a lot easier in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I would say removing fragrance from your life is one of the biggest things. And then also when you do that, you're going to remove so many other toxins because companies who are cognizant about having that in their product often remove some of those other toxic exposures. So it's very helpful. So that's my first big one. Um, my second big one is avoiding most plastics. And I had a mentor once say, try to go one day without using plastic in your modern life. And you literally cannot, (laughs) you know, she had a garden and ate most of her food from her home working, you know, she had a farm, um, but her garden hose was plastic, right? So yeah, you literally can't avoid it. But I like to say like, do as best as you can. So you know, storing your food in glass instead of plastic, you know, using silicone bags instead of Ziploc plastic bags. There's lots of different ways to do that. Use a glass or stainless steel water bottle instead of a plastic one. There's lots of different swaps that can happen. And I think that's a really big exposure. We don't talk about a a lot, but it's becoming more and more um, that like those little exposures every day kind of add up. So that would be my second area to reduce toxic burden. And my third would be a water filter for people. All very thoughtful recommendations. So we're going to remove fragrant fragrances and I'll just, um, maybe add a little anecdote here that my kids, I mean, we try to be really aware of fragrances in our house and in our products and Um, my kids wash their hands a lot. We live on a farm. Mm -hmm. We're always, you know, getting dirty. And I think that's good to a certain extent, but sometimes we got to wash our hands and they were having kind of looked like eczema around their wrists. Mm. And I just couldn't figure it out. We were doing all the right things. 
And their pediatrician said, what, what soap are you using? And, you know, it was like a really clean, what at the time I thought was a really perfect brand. Um, and I said, it's, it's unscented. And she said, ah, we want something that says fragrance free because unscented means the scent isn't detectable by a human nose, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean there's no fragranced chemicals in the product. And sure enough, there were. And so now I'm very careful to look for fragrance free specifically, which wow. Talk about a marketing tactic. You were mentioning greenwashing. It's like, oh, great. We see all these products and it says unscented and check that off the list. That looks great, but come to find out we need to be a little bit more careful. So um, I think that's a great, great, great suggestion. We're going to reduce phthalates um, by avoiding these fragrances. We're going to be mindful of plasticizers and Mm -hmm. we are going to use a water filter, which, you know, yeah. I live on a farm where we are on a well system. And so a mm-hmm. filtration device is really important. And I'm really encouraged to see that there's a variety of filters. You can get a countertop system mm-hmm. or you can get one of the under, like under sink, really fancy systems. And I think there's a solution to match every price point is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Oh, there, there definitely is. And that's what, what people like to, like, are you renting? Are you going to like install a whole house filter for yourself? Probably not. Um, Are you living alone and all you need is like a pitcher or do you need something just for a short amount of time traveling? There's so many different water filters. And that's why it can be really, really confusing too on exposures for a water filter um, because there's dozens of different types of or ways to filter your water. And so we we can't really be experts in all of them. So people I think are confused on what to pick sometimes and what, what to choose for what their water source has as a, as a burden. Absolutely. Well, this is the perfect lead into my next kind of series of questions for you because I opened up to my Instagram audience recently. Sometimes we do like an ask me anything. And I asked, what are your questions about environmental toxins? What are you struggling with? Where are your pain points? And this question came up so often about water filters. So I thought I would put this question your way. Do you have a water filter that you recommend? What do you use in your house? Yes. So we have a reverse osmosis water filter in our house, which I really love. Um, We used to have a different countertop system, but when we were renting and now that we live in a house, we're using reverse osmosis which I really like. It really takes out so many toxins. Basically it's the water is pretty pure, which I really like. It does take out minerals too. So something to think about when you use a reverse osmosis, like how are you getting minerals back in your water and hydrating a little bit better in that way? Um, But we really love it. And then some other ones that I really love. Can I, can I talk about brands that I like? sure can, please do. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like the Aquasana under the counter filter. If you're, if you know that brand, they do a really great job with a shower filter as well. Um, and I like that one a lot removes quite a bit of toxic exposures. They have some data on their website that you can see, which I really appreciate too. You want to make sure that they're backing up those claims of what they filter. Um, and then I also really love clearly filtered. It's a really great brand. I think they're maybe a little bit newer or they're new to me. Um, they have a really great you know, Brita doesn't do a great job of filtering. Um, but that's like one, a lot of people use the clearly filtered would be like a really great upgrade. That's really a great price point too. Um, it's not too expensive to start on your water journey and it's really easy. So you don't have to do any, like, you know, with the Aquasana, you have to do some, you know, manhandling (laughs) how to get it installed. So I really like the clearly filtered for like a handheld one. They also make a really nice water bottle that we use uh, to travel with. So they, you know, when we go to airports or we're on vacation, we, we use that because it's really nice to kind of reduce water burden. And then we have our water bottle. So those are my favorite for like drinking water. Um, I also do recommend most of the time that people filter their shower water and bathing water. Um, and the reason why there's a huge chlorine exposure, most of our chlorine exposure actually comes from showering. So up to 70% of our chlorine exposure, which is really, you know, really affects our thyroid health, which is like, you know, your sensitive little organ right here. Um, things like asthma, if your kids are susceptible, 
thing, you know, anything with mitochondrial health, chlorine can be an issue. So I really love the Aquasana shower filter or the Jolie shower filter. It's like very beautiful and looks really nice. So those are kind of my recommendations for, for water filters. And that'll change based on where you live too. Um, The environmental working group has something called the tap water database. If you know about it, it's really a, a really great site. They've tested lots of different water sources across the country. So you can put in your zip code and they'll tell you what your contaminants are that are in your water. So it can help you help help you pick a better water filter for yourself. Ooh, there were so many juicy tidbits in there. Okay. So we'll, we'll all be Googling all these brands. I love Aquasana as well. Our house is super old, so it wasn't a great candidate right now for the, the big filtration system. So we just have the countertop one at this point and it's very nice and very easy. And to change mm-hmm. the filter, we have to do it a little bit more frequently, um, but it's very nice until yeah. you're ready for something bigger. So I, I love that recommendation. And then with the shower tops, with the shower filters, mm-hmm. um, is the filter is just something that you attach to the head of the shower or it's something more extravagant that you have to install? It's not extravagant. And so that's why it's really easy. So these, the other water filters we talked about for drinking, they're going to filter out so much more. The shower filters are mostly going to do chlorine just because the water is running through so fast that the main thing you're looking for is like that chlorine removal. And so it's really easy. Just unscrew, screw on. Yeah. I did it myself in no time. (laughs) Isn't it funny too, just as an added bonus, when I have had patients put on the shower filtrations, they, I've had a couple of people be like, my hair is so much better now. Yes, I mean, my hair just looks so much more hydrated and shiny Mm -hmm. and healthy and okay, great. Or detoxing and it looks nice. Yeah. And giving good vibes. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, My husband even said with the Jolie filter, he's like, this is like the best water, like filter I've ever felt in my life, like head of a shower. He was just so into it. I was like, yeah, it's a great, it's great. Okay. That one is new to me. So I will be looking that up immediately. Yeah. Similarly now I want to do a whole episode. That's just about your, your favorites, like (laughs) go through a whole list, but I have one more that comes up all the time. And I really want to know this answer myself. It's cookware. Cookware is so challenging because we want something that not everything is going to stick to and that looks nice. Mm -hmm. Do you have some favorite cookware to, to recommend to us? Yeah, this one I may be a little bit more boring with, which is kind of funny because I love to cook. If you follow my Instagram, it's basically like the majority of stuff I share. Um, This is one of my favorite things to do. Um, some things like I for sure tell people to avoid is Teflon. And it's so funny. It's, it was phased out in around 2014, but you go to your old cabin or on vacation in an Airbnb, there is Teflon there. Like no one's replacing it. Um, and those scratches release so many PFAs, um, which are, you know, those per and polyalkyl floral substances, um, that long name, but those are the toxic substances we've been trying to get rid of those nonstick ones. So for sure, avoiding like nonstick Teflon, any of those things are really important. I really love cooking in a cast iron. That's my biggest recommendation for people. Um, and for myself, um, obviously there are some women who shouldn't be, you know, consuming extra iron from, uh, so it's always good to get yourself tested, your iron stores and your complete blood count and those sorts of things in your red blood cells. But I see a lot of women who are really deficient in iron. So I actually think it's a really great way to get iron up, which is really important for egg quality, energy, all of those sorts of things, everything, everything, (laughs) name it, name it. And good iron stores is a really important thing. Um, So I recommend probably my best cookware is cast iron. And if it's properly seasoned, it's pretty nonstick. I really like the brands Lodge and or Field Company. Those are two of my favorites um, that I cook with. And then I love just a few other types of cookware I like are enamel coated cast iron, carbon steel, certain types of ceramic, like the brand Extrema is really nice um, using glass and then certain types of stainless steel. 
which I don't, we can get into in a little bit, but those are kind of like my broad favorites. Okay. That's super helpful. What do you season your cast iron pan with? I've been using a high heat avocado oil. Okay. I'm still like testing, testing it out. Cause I was wanting to use some sort of like high cook point animal fat, but somehow I don't, I'm not an expert in the seasoning. You can tell. Um, but it somehow doesn't like create the same nonstick I see. as, as using something like an avocado oil. So that's what I've been using. I've and been also experimenting. It's, it yeah. takes a little bit of trial and error, doesn't it? To find, <laughs> yes. I mean, the food always turns out great, but to find yes. that like nonstick, mm-hmm. it's really eggs for me. If I can be really specific, how do I get my eggs to not stick? And so I'm on a seasoning journey. <laughs> You should go to the the field, that field company. They have like the best guide for seasoning and I used it and it helped so much. Okay. Um, I was buying like a little chain link thing to like scrub it. I was being so fancy with the whole thing and it really worked. So I highly recommend. <laughs> right. We might have to do like a, some kind of joint video together, a tutorial yeah. on seasoning your pan because- Yes. really start at the basics. Well, that's really helpful because cookware, if going back to the beginning of this episode, thinking about the exposures that we have day after day after day, I mean, we're cooking food every day, most of us. So these, exactly. these can be really significant. Yep. You have told us uh, all about the importance of removing fragrance. We're very yeah. well aware now of how the compounds within fragrance can affect really multiple parameters of both male and female fertility, but this one is so hard to avoid. So I want to get into the specifics of some of your favorites here. Um, let's maybe just kind of go down a little line and talk first laundry detergent. Do you have a laundry detergent that you like? Yes, I have so many. So oh. I decided to pick three that I really like, um, oh. that I recommend to patients quite a bit. I love Molly Suds which is a pretty popular brand now. Um, It's like a powder detergent, works super well. I love Branch Basics, which has been kind of all over social media, which is great. Um, And to give like a scented option, because I know people still sometimes like the way that their laundry detergent smells. Yes. So the Thieves Laundry Soap by, by Young Living, the essential oil company, they use essential oils in their laundry soap. So, which is, a very expensive things to thing to do. So a lot of companies don't use essential oils. They're very expensive compared to using a synthetic fragrance, but this is a nice option that like can, you can kind of get that scent back um, because we don't want using dryer sheets either uh, for all the reasons we talked about. So those are like three of my favorite brands that I think work pretty well. Um, also great to be very cautious of the, the free and clear kind of movement, kind of like when you talked about it's unscented, um, be cautious about the free and clear movement, just because some of those products, even though they might be fragrance, truly fragrance free, uh, they sometimes contain compounds called one, four dioxane. Have you heard of the, maybe the New York uh, ban of the, or like levels of one, four dioxane that they're, yeah, they're working on the is, laundry detergent. Yeah. Yeah. So they, New York state is leading the way in this environmental medicine charge, which just makes me mm. very happy, but one, four dioxane is a probable human carcinogen and it's a contaminant in some of these products. Um, so when you see some names like polyethylene glycol or sodium lauryl sulfate, they can be contaminated because of the processing with 1,4-dioxane. Um, so it's just a really, a really great thing that New York state is doing, trying to get rid of that. But that's why I always tell people try not to use like just something that says free and clear, even though it seems better, it is better, but there are other exposures in there. So good to know. Okay. So what are we going to use instead of our dryer sheets? <laughs> I love wool dryer balls. They're great. Um, they help remove the static. And then I tell people, if you want to put a little drop of essential oil on there too. So put yeah. like a couple drops, throw in your wool dryer ball, and then you get like the beautiful lavender scent without all the phthalate exposure. It was lavender that I wanted. And how nice <laughs> you can customize your scent, right? Like you could do rosemary yeah. in the winter. You could do that <laughs> just in the summer. Yeah, perfect. 
<laughs> now it's fully <laughs> little rose here and there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we're in the laundry room. We've got that figured out. Let's move into, let's move into the bathroom and talk about hand soap. Do you have just a general, like at the, at the sink hand soap that you like? Yes. So Dr. Bronner's is a great Castile company. That's a great option. I love them for so many things. And then around for years, trusted for years, right? Years, years. Exactly. And then EO essential oils brand. It's like an interesting name, but that's their name. Um, they make really great like hand sanitizer if you're using that or hand soap, which I really like. And then a lot of times I recommend just bar soap. Um, the good old bar soap for like hand soap. It works really great. A lot of like small businesses will make them without, you know, using fragrance and that sort of thing. So it can be like a really great way to support local too. Um, the only thing I say about Dr. Bronner's is that is it does have a high pH and our skin is very acidic. Um, and so for some people, it can be a little bit irritating if used a lot, but I use it on so many things every day and my skin is great. So, um, but just something to be cautious of. I always tell people. It's so funny when you said, oh, bar soap. And I don't know why in my mind, maybe other people do this. I completely rule out bar soap at times. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, hand soap, it's something with a pump. But yeah. to that point, um, going back to our skin dryness episode that we were having, we switched to a bar soap that was made by a local company and they had some cocoa butter in yeah. the bar and it was so hydrating and moisturizing and had some essential oils in there just a little bit. So it smelled delightful. Um, and so bar soaps are such a good option that we can't yeah. forget about. Can't discount. I know. And it's like usually cheaper. It's kind of like old. It's like the old school. Can't forget about like, you know, people can make that yeah. really easily in their home. And so I think it's a really great way. I've done it only once, but it was super fun. <laughs> I have also done it only once and it was super fun, but wasn't lovely looking. So yeah highly um admire <laughs> the folks like at my farmer's market who make these yes. beautiful products that are also safe ingredients and also moisturizing and smell good and all of these things. All right. So now we've covered laundry. We've got hand soap. Let's talk about shampoo. I mean, we installed mm -hmm. our filter on our shower. So now we're ready to take this healthy hair, body, skin thing all the way. Yes, exactly. And there's so many wonderful shampoos out there. At least that's what I've been seeing. So my ultimate, ultimate favorite is under Luna because they have so many different herbal products in there, or like herbal concoctions in their, in their products and their shampoo conditioner. So I really love it. And the smell is amazing too. So they're, they're probably my top favorite. They are a little bit spendy, um, but really wonderful products. And then I love plain products, plain with a P L A I N E. Um, they have a really cool thing where they do re like refillable containers too. So they like to try to be like eco-friendly, which I really love. And then Inner Sense is a really wonderful one that has like delicious scents, but no phthalates, which is really nice. And my favorite brand that I recommend kind of for a million and a half personal care products is Acure. They're found so many places now. And that's why you I love it at them. Target, right? It's yeah, you can so yeah, accessible. Exactly. It's so accessible. The price point is really fantastic. I think it's like the least expensive for the best quality. And we've been using a lot of Acure products in our home now because of like the cost to the quality and it's wonderful. So I recommend that for like deodorant, shampoo. I have never looked at a product because I, I aggressively look up ingredient lists when I'm with patients, you know, trying to vet each individual product that we're not sure about. And I've never found a product by them that hasn't been approved and awesome. So great. Okay. And so nice because you don't have to order it online necessarily. There's probably a local store where you can get it. That's my biggest limitation yeah. is like, I have to order something and wait for it. So the fact that you can run to Target and grab it, so nice. Yes, exactly. Great. We could talk for hours about your favorites. And in my <laughs> mind, I want to do another episode just about that. But there's a couple more questions I want to ask while I have you here. Yeah. So my, uh, we're thinking about all of our unique exposures and I think most of us are probably wondering if there's something that we can do to zone in on our unique situation. So when it comes to assessing toxic exposures, 
Is there some testing that you're doing with your patients? Yes. Kind of the same thing as we talked about, like avoidance, 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 detox. Um, before we even do testing, I like to make sure we have like avoidance on our list. We, I like go through everything with patients and do lots of education so that we're really like taking out the big exposures that we can easily identify. And then when we talk about like, let's do lab work to figure out maybe where more of these environmental toxin exposures are coming from. The first thing I do is like your basic blood test lab work. And the reason why is because we want to see like, how is your insulin? How, how are you process, you know, how are you processing your carbs? How is your thyroid doing? Do we need to like look for more things in relation to your thyroid? Is it struggling because of these environmental toxins? What are your sex hormones doing? Do they look normal on labs or even optimal on labs, but they're, you're still having a lot of these symptoms? Like, do we need to investigate more of these endocrine disrupting chemicals or xenoestrogens? So I love to just start with like lots of basic blood work. Um, and when I say basic, it's not really that basic because, you know, as naturopathic doctors, we do a lot of in-depth yeah. serum, you know, blood work, but, um, blood work is at a regular lab, like easily yes. covered by insurance. Most of the time, that yep. type, all of that type of thing first. And then once we get a little bit deeper into that, and if people, especially if people want to do like a fertility detox, I look at more specialty labs that I do like for usually it's urine testing and we're looking at those metabolites or breakdown products of some of these toxins and thinking, how can we, once we get those results back, how can we specifically find where we're getting exposed to these specific toxins and how do we specifically get them out of the body with certain different types of supplements, herbs, ways of detoxing sort of thing. A question that comes up all the time when I'm talking about preconception detox to patients who are ready to get pregnant right away, they want to know about the timeline. Like how does this impact when I can start trying, especially, you know, if we find some fairly significant toxic exposures, or we have, we need time to, for example, get their thyroid back in good working order or work on some of the insulin resistance, but thinking about a preconception detox specifically, how do you talk to your patients about a timeline that, you know, do you say we, let's do this and wait three or four months and then you try, or just, you know, what's that conversation look like? It's really hard. It's so hard because I think every practitioner might have a different line where they feel like this is safe or this is optimal. Yeah. And I think there isn't, we, I would love to live in an ideal world, right. Where someone comes to me like more than a year before they're trying to conceive and that would, that would probably be ideal because from like primordial follicle or that like initial little tiny follicle to ovulation is going to take about a year. And so as that follicle is developing um, into what will be ovulated, that would, you know, their exposure is higher during that time. And so like in an ideal world, what would that look like? It's like, well, you know, doing it a year before, but I almost never see patients in that, in that place. Um, unless we're working through some other health issues and then they want to get pregnant. So I say kind of like you would say, like, I try to avoid detox in the really, when there's really a lot of development going on in that three to four months before you're going to try to conceive. Yeah. That's my kind of where I would try. There's always room for like, what we'll, we'll probably chat about. There's always room for avoidance and there's always room for like living a lifestyle that is detoxifying and healthy, um, just in general. But if we're talking about doing like a very specific, heavy fertility detox, I would love that to be done more than three to four months before trying to conceive. That's exactly my approach too. And I think mm -hmm. there's, you know, in that three to four months before you want to get pregnant, we can do, we can stay hydrated, make yes. sure you're not constipated, having mm -hmm. some general, you know, moderate intensity exercise that causes you to sweat most days of the week, eating exactly. cruciferous vegetables, making sure our iron is in place, which is a cofactor for most of our cytochrome P450 enzymes that help us detoxify all kinds of substances. Like that is a fertility lifestyle. That's probably safe. Exactly but I'm not going to push those pathways of elimination, like mobilize toxins into the bloodstream yes. in that three to four months prior to conception. And yep. it's just the decision we have to make. 
Ex- yes, exactly. You just listed everything that I would have told patients to, to do in those like three to four months before, if they're looking to detoxify or to reduce their body burden, but do it in a safe way and not overwhelm their amunctories. So it's, you know, the amunctories are, you know, digestion, having bowel movements, breathing, sweating, urinating, all of those sorts of things. And we don't want to like push all of that too much to release them, especially from fat cells, because that's where a lot of our toxins live in our fat cells. So it's not a good idea to do that three to four months before trying to conceive in my, in my opinion. In my opinion as well. So this is why we are, um, always shouting from the rooftops. If you want to get pregnant in a year, Let's start now. Let's do it now. There's no need to wait. We can really teach you these skills for a fertility friendly lifestyle, which include all of these suggestions that you've talked about today. So let's start now. Even if you think I want to have kids in five years, let's do it. Let's start implementing these um, strategies that not only support your reproductive health, but like you mentioned, mm-hmm. every body system is affected. This is also going to affect our metabolic health and our risk for cognitive decline later in life, yes. osteoporosis, obesity. I mean, it's really everything. Yes, it is. It really is everything. And so kind of living a detoxifying lifestyle is so important and yeah. And kind of focusing on like those phases of detoxification, just as like eating a healthy diet and exercising and having good relationships, all those sorts, having good bowel movements, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Really foundational things to health in general. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Stamer, I love to end these episodes with something fun, especially with, you know, I think the topic of environmental toxins can be a bit heavy, Yeah, but I feel, I mean, I even feel empowered now to go look up your suggestions and I'm, I'm always working on cleaning up our environment a little bit, but there's, I'm always learning. And so then there's these new tools that I can start implementing, but I want to end on something that's light and fun. And I know that you um, are aware of so many ingredients that we can add to our food supply to help us detox. So are you ready for a kitchen challenge? You said that you love to be in the kitchen. I have a kitchen challenge for you. Okay, great. I would love it. Tell me what I'm Tell me what I'm going to get into. Top chef detox style. (laughs) Your challenge is we want to make a detox boosting smoothie. Mm -hmm. You can add up to five ingredients. Tell us what your recipe is looking like. Great. I'm going to use water as my sixth ingredient because filtered water. That's fair. Yeah. Filtered water is my sixth ingredient, I think. Um, But I think... I want to talk about a little bit how to like build a smoothie too. Cause I think that'll Please. be helpful for people. So I want something that's going to be blood sugar balancing because as we know, like for fertility, blood sugar balance is so important. There's been like more and more data as an aside that like having really stable blood sugars and fasting blood sugars that are, you know, below 80 ish, um, help are helpful with fertility. So that means that we have to have like some fiber, protein, fat in this smoothie. So one of my first things I love for, we want to have some fiber. And the reason why is because fiber is going to really help with that last stage of detoxification, that like phase three, where we literally remove it from our bowels. And so I love to add some sort of fiber. Um, the, any fruit and veggies we're going to add are going to have fiber, but a little bit of extra. So I love like chia, flax or psyllium husk, kind of like whatever your favorite fiber blend is. Um, I'm down with like a lot of flax because it's so helpful for removing estrogen. Yeah. (laughs) Like flax is so great. Um, so flax is probably my top choice would be flax in my smoothie. And does it have to be ground? Do we have to grind our flax seeds? It does. You got, you got me. Yeah. So ground (laughs) flax seeds. And the reason why is our body, if we eat whole flax seeds, they'll just come out as whole flax seeds. (laughs) So we need to grind flax seeds. And if you do make sure you keep it, if you buy it pre-ground, keep it in your freezer, um, just because some of those fats can oxidize. And so we want to keep them as fresh as possible. If we use some ground, um, next thing is I really love to include some sort of protein protein helps so much with that phase two detoxification, which is really important for getting, you know, making those, uh, what we do basically is we like attach some sort of group onto the toxins we've started to process. And then we help them basically move to be water soluble or fat soluble to get them out of the body. So protein is really, really important for women in trying to conceive for that reason too. 
And so I, you know, you could use like some sort of nut butter for a little bit of protein or something like that. But I really love, I've been loving this protein powder talking about a product. I really love aura organic ORA is my favorite protein powder lately. Um, it's ones that's tested for heavy metals and pesticides. It's organic. Um, and so they do a really great job testing for contaminants, which even if a protein powder says it's clean and has good ingredients, because it's so concentrated, I like to make sure that it's as clean as possible. So I like the protein powder. I like flax and then berries, antioxidant powerhouse for sure. So whatever my favorite berries are, blueberries are like one of the best options for like antioxidants and detoxification. So those three things. And then I always have to add some greens. Mm-hmm. Bitter greens would be the best in my opinion. And you're going to counteract that with like a little bit of, you know, the flavor from protein and the berries. Cause I don't know, a bitter smoothie is probably not the most delicious in the morning. <laughs> um, but any sort of greens you love, it's, they're so helpful for stimulating digestion so many phytonutrients. Fantastic. Um, and then I always have to add a banana. They're not like the main powerhouse of the smoothie in terms of detoxification, but obviously there's fiber, there's nutrients in there, and it's going to help the taste quite a bit. So that would be my ultimate smoothie um, in five ingredients. I would, you know, you could add like a little fat in there too, if we want, but those would be like my top five things. Okay. That sounds creamy and delicious and fiber packed and wonderful. Mm -hmm. So now if anybody makes their detox smoothie, please post it to Instagram and tag us so we can see your creations and we'll just compile this detox smoothie recipe book. Yes. Dr. Stamer, I have enjoyed talking with you so much. You are just a wealth of knowledge on this subject. I so appreciate all the insights you've shared with our audience and we have so much to Google after this. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a pleasure to talk with you and share. I really appreciate it. See you next time, everyone. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? Head over to drkaliawaddles.com slash podcast where you can find more episodes on all things fertility.